people, products and markets. I really believe that these are the three components that eventually make or break your startup success. And while most founders have sleepless nights thinking about their products and their markets, what they often tend to forget is the fact that a product can never be built and its fit with the market also will never be found if you don't have an amazing team to do this with together. My name is Charlotte. I am co-founder and CEO of Equalture, which is a team composition technology that helps tech scale-ups from all over the world in uh, building the team they need to be able to scale. And in this podcast, I chat with scale-up founders and CEOs from all over the world who've already discovered the incredible value and an incredible impact that their team has on their business. We talk about their way, their, their journey of building a team, their milestones, their failures, their lessons learned, um, all to help remind all founders out there of the incredible importance of their team. And hopefully to help you build your winning team to scale. So my guest for today's episode is Nicholas Firm. And Nicholas is the Chief Revenue Officer at Scribe, uh, which is a Sweden-based company. And they are building an e-signature and digital identification platform. Uh, the company was founded in 2010, is now growing really rapidly. And Nicholas joined the company a few years after it was founded. And had the incredible challenge to actually build a professional commercial team. Um, and what's really interesting, of course, I um, uh, based on the conversation I've had with other founders in this podcast, but also with a lot of our customers here at Equalture, is that building, especially the sales team, for most startups is the, the largest struggle uh, when it comes to hiring people. And, and Nicholas basically joined uh, at the exact point in which Scribe wanted to transition from a startup to a scale-up, uh, wanted to make sure that not only the founders do sales, but that you can also make sure that your sales team is capable of, of uh, facilitating your growth engine. And I uh, do believe that Nicholas' uh, perception of building a sales team, but also his approach and how he actually managed to do so describe, is very interesting and very insightful. So uh, for me personally, uh, it is an episode that I will probably listen to a couple of times more uh, because we are actually in that same transition stage. But, uh, I hope you get some valuable insights out of this as well. So, uh, welcome, Nicholas. It's great to uh, to have you on our next episode. I'm glad to be here. Uh, one question I always uh, ask before we kick off uh, about you and the company and what you're doing is, is uh, what's the reason that you said yes to recording this podcast? Oh, good question. So uh, to get some airtime, nobody ever pays attention to me. No, but, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, I guess because it's regarding a subject that I'm really, really interested in. So my, my background in behavioral science and psychology, I'm all about, so where I feel confident is in leadership and creating team, teams, strong team dynamics, building culture, etc. And I have a lot of experts that are maybe, not maybe, they, they're definitely more or better equipped and more experienced in terms of the commercial things. Uh, so my top subjects where I really excel is leadership, building culture. We're going to be, I guess, talking a lot about customer centricity and building customer-centric cultures where, where people really go the extra mile and those kinds of things. And 
I love to talk about these subjects. I think we, we tend to miss them every now and then in the SaaS and scale-up world. We talk a lot about product and features and functionality and all of that, and, and uh, we forget about the importance of like really, really, really building strong cultures that drive the behaviors that you want to drive. Yeah, uh, and I think this. I hope this is what we're going to be talking about. Uh, at least if I get to drive the experiment, <laughs> I hope so too. It really depends on your answer. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> can, you, um, can you can you give a, a quick introduction of who you are and and uh, uh, what Scribe is for company and what you are doing uh, in the company? Hmm? Cool. So Scribe, if we start there, Scribe is a within digital transformation. It's a, a nice. Uh, really bossy word, I guess, but what we really do is we we work with electronic signatures and electronic or digital identity. So we build workflow automation. You could look at us as a simple e-signing provider. Mm -hmm. If you're on a very like low, low mature, low, what do you call it? Digitally unmature market, immature market, we would probably be considered as just an e-signing provider because in, in certain markets, only e-signing is a big thing. Uh, when we look into the Nordic region and even in in in, uh, in the Netherlands, for example, we can no longer only talk about electronic signatures. So then we have to add more value. We have to broaden our portfolio or, or in our offering. Then instead, we work with workflow automation. So we build customer onboarding, partner onboarding, uh, supplier onboarding, whatever it might be, by providing electronic signatures, electronic identification, uh, adding potentially other data points in these workflows as well, for instance, supporting with credit ratings or, or right to sign checkups, et cetera, et cetera. So we simply remove the thresholds and digitize all the steps of whatever kind of onboarding process that you're interested in can happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's what we do. Uh, we've been doing it since 2010. And of course, as, as most players in our, in our industry, we started off only providing electronic signatures. And to be quite honest, I think a few years from now, you will have a, a, a hard time if your only offer is electronic mm -hmm. signing because it's it's not going to be, yeah, you need to be able to deliver way, way more uh, than yeah. that. Yeah. And here I think we have a, we're, we're in a good position. Currently, we're internationalizing ourselves. We've, uh, we've set up a few months back, we set up our Netherlands office. Uh, we have since a year back a Norwegian office as well. Uh, and uh, since early this year, we have a Danish team in Copenhagen in place as well, besides the headquarters in, in, in Stockholm where we started in, in 2010. So my role is, once again, buzzword, chief revenue officer. I, <laughs> I, it's, uh, I, think, I don't think many people really get what that means. Uh, and for me, it's just being commercially responsible. So whatever is customer facing, probably you have it in, in, in my team. So typically, my organization really, really quickly is about direct sales, about channel sales, so sales via partners, mm -hmm. success, customer support, and parts of the technical implementation management team. So those are, are, are the teams that are present in my, uh, in my organization, in the revenue organization at Scribe. Can you yeah. uh, can you tell me a little bit more about the 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 situation of Scribe when you entered the company? How big was it? How mature was was the the sales strategy, the sales process? What what in mm -hmm. what stage were you at that point? So I came in spring uh, twenty sixteen. Scribe had been around for five and a half years. Mm -hmm. I I had actually worked with Scribe uh, as a uh, customer because when I was 
uh, running uh, parts of the sales divisions at three, the mobile operator three in Sweden. Mm -hmm. uh, we brought Scribe in. Uh, we digitized the, our subscription uh, agreements in our stores and in other departments as well. And I was part of, of purchasing uh, the solution. Uh, and I remember thinking back then, this is like late 2014, I think. I, I remember thinking that th these guys have a super interesting product. Uh, and, I, and, and I realized already then that this will really, this will happen over time. They will, this, these guys can really scale it because they have a strong offering and digitizing your, your agreement process is very relevant. Very surprised when a few months after that, uh, I, I got a call from, from uh, I don't remember if it was initially a, a woman who worked as a recruiter uh, at Scribe or if it was the founder himself initially. One of them approached me. We had several conversations about that. They thought that I had an interesting profile, and we had had a, an interesting and, 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 and rewarding discussion uh, in the past. So I guess we 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 sort of we bounced this back and forth for a few months before mm -hmm. I say yes. And I remember saying that if I am to join you, uh, you and me uh, will probably have. Uh, we will have a few challenges. We will have conflict. We will see things differently when I was talking to, to the founder. So this, uh, our founder uh, is a, a brilliant, uh, super intelligent person. Uh, and, uh, but we came to a situation a year or something after I left where maybe it was, well, apparently it was, it was time for him to move on because we had sort of entered a, uh, some sort of ceiling as to how far he could take the company because mm -hmm. he was more of a, um, what to call it, product uh, or business development kind of person, maybe not a people's or culture bearer. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Uh, so, so, but I really enjoyed the, the enthusiasm and the intelligence and like the ideas that this, these guys had back then, but they hadn't really nailed how to, how to approach the market or how to really make, make, uh, make use of or build uh, their offering, mm -hmm. uh, to be honest. But a super interesting product, brilliant team with very intelligent individuals but they they lacked things related to culture and customer centricity that i i felt that i could probably contribute with so that's why I, I can imagine then that for the the people who were already in the sales team i don't know what the the, the exact size was at that point but that it's quite a, a change then because you you uh, you want to change the sales approach of course you have a very clear, uh, and I think very good that you have that vision on, on, on culture. It's not all about performance, but it's also about making it a nice place to work. So it's quite a lot of change then for those people when you come in. It, I guess it was, or I, I, I know it was. I mean, we the, the <laughs> back then were, so we had three sales reps. Uh, we had uh, one, one person working with customer support, and we had one person working with partners. That was the whole commercial organization. Uh, and I remember, the first few months I came in, uh, we had a lot of sessions, like training workshop sessions, where, where uh, I, I asked my my team then to, to like, please tell me why, sell to me, convince me, why should I digitize or, or uh, my agreement or uh, document process? Mm -hmm. uh, and they gave me a lot of specs and technical technicalities I said, guys i really really don't understand you need to talk to me as if i'm three years old please once again and we went back back and forth about this for, for months and the only thing i got was specs 
and, and, and they did that, try to, to bring me some unique selling points, but they were also only uh, like tech stack kind of things that I couldn't really make sense of. But after a while, we, we sort of got to a point where they could start instead, instead of just focusing on, 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 on our offering and our platform, they, we made some sort of shift where we were able to uh, start thinking of what we're offering from the customer's perspective mm -hmm. instead all the values and the benefits we're bringing and and uh, yeah that that's sort of been that's been the route that i've been uh, that's been my quest since i joined in 2016 to to go from what i perceived as a, an extreme inside out oriented perspective on everything so we developed what we thought was needed we tried to convince customers and i guess someone had read too much of challenger sales so we were challenging 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 but we were doing it in a an arrogant way. I remember in a meeting where we had lost an, an RFP uh, to a, a, a big uh, telco provider back then in like spring 2016. And we actually sat around in the management team and said that and laughed and said, yeah, it's their loss. They don't understand what they're missing. Uh, and and I, I really remember I st standing up, like walking out of that room, uh, really frustrated going back in telling them guys no it's not they're missing out it's we're miss it's us missing out we're not getting the deal and it's not them not understanding it's not it's us not being able to understand what what they understand and to mm -hmm. explain what we're about uh, and that's that's been my my purpose since to, to really shift from from that inside out to an outside in oriented perspective on on things and we've uh, i mean we've gotten far I think we're still sometimes struggling, as, as all companies do. But I am quite confident that uh, if we compare us, ourselves to most of our industry peers and similar companies in general, I think we, uh, we are a bit, at least most of the times, better to really pay attention and, 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 uh, and, and listen. Uh, so we have, you have two eyes, you have two ears, you have one, one mouth. You should make use of the, the, that in, in, in that same proportion. So yeah. Talk less, listen more. Yeah, oh, that's actually a really good tip. I've never heard that one before. <laughs> what at the at the stage when you entered the company was it um, because the you always have the famous uh, founder sales transition to uh, actually hiring a sales team and making sure that a salesperson can sell instead of the the founder. Mm. Do you think that uh, where was Scribe at that stage, and do you think that that you actually? Uh, facilitated that transition between founder sales to to sales team. I, I hope so uh, that I was part of that. I mean, that was the assignment. Uh, I think that was an insight that our our, our founder uh, had that it was time to to for for other people to to come in and maybe increase the leverage or take this a few more uh, steps ahead. And mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we we. Uh, we we had it took us a long time before we, we before I started to see some actual traction on, on our yeah, the exercises and training that we did. It was it was obviously so much easier then when you just have a te team of four or five people. It's really easy to to contribute and and, and instruct and coach etc. Uh, and um, but we did get. Uh, a lot of leverage on the on the things we did, which was very little about Skype, and instead a lot more on on customer centricity and paying attention and, and 
investing. We talk a lot about, I've stolen most of what I ever talk about and work with, I've stolen from people that are significantly more intelligent myself. So for instance, if you if you read Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, mm-hmm. personal development uh, literature, super American obviously, and sometimes a bit too, too much religion in that as well. But there are a lot of really relevant things. One thing he talks about is relationship accounts that you should mm-hmm. each relationship as an account where you where you can de- make deposits or withdrawals mm-hmm. uh, and you can't really you should never try to make a withdrawal uh, unless you've done a few deposits initially uh, so we spoke a lot about these kinds of things how do i make deposits in a customer relationship or a customer dialogue and mm-hmm. we everyone came to the conclusion that it is once again about paying attention getting uh, the full understanding of where that customer resides, where their understanding is, etc. So, uh, asking the re- relevant questions, doing uh, a proper needs analysis, where you really dig deep, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, only then are you allowed, or should be, should try to make withdrawals. And, but as soon as you've invested enough, you can actually make a lot more withdrawals than you would normally, than most salespeople would ever be able to to do. So, the yeah. more you insight you provide, the more questions you ask the more demands you can put on the customer as well. So yeah. it was a lot about uh, culture, uh, culture things that we, we did. So for me, culture is um, some of the most dominant behaviors in your team, or like what most people Absolutely. do the most. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you want to have a, a sales-driven culture, or if you want to have a, a, a say, for, for us it was a value, what do you call it? Uh, so value-driven sales customer-centric culture, you need to make sure that you have the, the majority of your behaviors drives in that direction. Mm-hmm. That's not for everyone. Uh, it's it's apparent. I mean, the team today, uh, out of the the five, so three sales, yeah, so five people that I had back then, three in sales, one partner, and and, and one support. Uh, three out of five are still there, which is, I mean, a decent number wow. after after uh, four or five years. But it's. Uh, it's been a shift once again, and and uh, I wish I could like give you some rocket science advice about very very particular details of everything, but it's really only about culture and starting to pay more attention to to uh, the purchasing uh, side of things. Yeah. So we, I mean, it's been a good journey. We I think we were at uh, around 500k in fixed ARR, so euro uh, uh, then, and today we're we're about in fixed era we're at 8 million euro and, and growing quite quite uh, heavily so it, it we've, it's been a good journey i mean the team is also significantly bigger what was then five people is now around 50 mm-hmm. in, in 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 four countries with all the challenges that that uh, poses on you as well uh, <laughs> so different cultures once again because uh, you have different ways of doing business uh, a handshake or a contract or whatever means different things and in different cultures for me it's i've never had as much fun as i have today getting to work with these different leadership styles and cultures etc but i think what would for me really really what makes me tick and what i what i love the most is is just doing building this like strong you can like do whatever you want behave uh, whatever you like however you like as long as you're nice as you're as long as you're paying attention, as long as your your focus is on on creating good deals for the customer, for the company, and only in the third place comes you yourself as a sales rep or customer success rep. Yeah. Etc. 
Absolutely. There must be quite a challenge then because you you have been growing the team uh, to 50 Mm. people. You want to, you've implemented some sort of culture. You mm-hmm. also have the, 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 the extra dimension of multiple countries. Yeah. It's quite a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's a lot. I mean, uh, it's, it's also what used to be like me having 15 or 20 direct reports. That's no longer the situation. Obviously, I have fantastic country managers that are responsible for their respective teams in, in, in the various country hubs. I have a, a very, very solid uh, revenue management team in, in Stockholm. So channel sales responsible. I have a head of Swedish sales. I have a head of enterprise sales globally. I have a head of SMB, small and medium businesses. And, and, and I can confidently say, uh, and this has been a, an important learning for me as well, that, that they're actually, uh, they are better equipped to deal with whatever is in their assignment than, than I am. Yeah, so I can be more of a facilitator or coordinator and maybe assist them in leadership and challenge them every now and then and be support when they need that. But they're actually running their things. Uh, so it's not that I've, I haven't left operations completely. Uh, that would be a lie. Uh, mm-hmm. But I can, I can genuinely say that, that uh, having learned to delegate, uh, mm-hmm. properly delegate. I, I, I spoke a lot about delegation even when I was younger and I, I, people told me that that that's that's what a good leader does, but I never really dared to do so, or I always thought that I had all the answers. But now I know that that when you really genuinely hand things over to other people, they're going to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a there's a there's this uh, there's this theoretical uh, model in what it's called uh, salutogenic. It's uh, it's a, it's a, initially related to to individual health, uh, so. Uh, um, a research done, I think it's 60s or 70s, or maybe even 50s initially. So there's this theory that I think was presented to me 15, 20 years ago uh, while studying psychology. Uh, a theory launched by a, a famous uh, scientist called Aaron Antonovsky in the, I believe, late 1970s, where he's trying to explain why it is that some people uh, remain to stay healthy uh, during uh, very stressful periods, objectively very stressful peri- periods, whereas other people become very, very sick, depressed and, and ill. This in turn is generated from a salutogenic approach, which very briefly put is about searching for reasons of health rather than instead looking for causes of disease. Uh, And I think this is a a very interesting approach. So initially Antonovsky set out to perform studies on survivors of the Holocaust. And then you might ask, how does this at all relate to to Scribe and myself? Because obviously people working uh, with me at Scribe and myself as well for that matter, we are, none of us are survivors of the Holocaust and we cannot uh, be be said to have been exposed to, to any stressors at all resembling uh, the stressors that survivors of the Holocaust was was exposed to. But uh, in in short, this SOC theory is defined as the extent to to which an individual has an enduring, uh, though dynamic feeling and confidence that no matter what what challenges I I am uh, exposed to, I, I feel that I have control and that I can predict that I will be performing quite well or delivering on on what's happening to me. So 
it relates very much to having a feeling of, of positivism and being under control. And this theory uh, really consists of three com uh, components, and, and these three components we are using uh, quite often uh, uh, when we're assessing individuals who describe. So you have sense of coherence if you have comprehensibility, manageability, and meaningfulness. And this, I believe, even though I've tweaked the theory and, and, and someone highly educated in this model may, may very well say that, that uh, you misunderstood or whatever, I'm not claiming to make use of, of Antonovsky's theory, rather I've stolen parts of it. Uh, and we're actually constantly trying to assess each individual. Does this person comprehend? So does this person understand that he or she, or what he or she is supposed to deliver. What's the assignment that uh, he or she has described? Secondly, we try to assess, does the individual perceive that he or she has manageability? So does she perceive that she is able to manage the assignment uh, the way she sees it? And this is a very important now, because this is about perception. As is all stress theory, uh, if you've studied stress, you know that it's about the perception. So how, how do I as an individual perceive uh, my skill set uh, uh, in parallel to, to the challenge that I'm exposed to? So my perception of manageability, am I able to, with a little stretching, with some structure and some help from my, from my uh, managers and colleagues, am I able to deliver uh, on my assignment? And thirdly, is this meaningful to me? So first of all, do I see how what I'm doing uh, connects to what Scribe is delivering as a whole? So the, the end product, so to speak. And also, how meaningful does that seem to me? How, how proud am I of what I'm doing and also what I'm contributing to in terms of what Scribe is delivering to the world? And it, we're constantly assessing these three perimeters and it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, actually, uh, to make use of those. Most of the things I'm, I'm, I'm working with, I've, I've stolen from other people. I haven't come up with a single idea. So this is, uh, I think, uh, highly relevant to, to, to think about. Do our individuals have uh, comprehensibility? Do they have perceived manageability? And do they think, uh, do they see how they, they uh, what they're doing connects to the, the company as a whole? And are they proud and feel uh, that what we're doing is meaningful? Do, are we making a difference that matters to them? So, How do you... Um, uh, because I think it's, it's, uh, it's impressive. It's the three pillars I think you should definitely have in the, in, in the team. And, and maybe especially a sales team, because I, I think we can all admit a sales team might be the most challenging team within the scale-up. Mm -hmm. How do you try to reveal this when, when uh, hiring a new person for your team then? Yeah, well, that's obviously extremely tricky. Um, I, I, I mean, you asked me to, to to come a bit prepared and think about a few things that are like um, related to these topics. And one thing that came to mind in terms of like what biggest learnings is that that mm -hmm. uh, we should have earlier really tried to nail our ideal candidate profiles. We we didn't fully. So we have had. A, a fairly high, I mean, probably lower than most companies still, but in my in my eyes, a too high of a, a turnover in terms of bringing new people. We've we've had uh, we have I have too many times failed in matching candidates, mm -hmm. uh, and and that's which led to that we've gotten too many more a typical, you know, the 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 traditional sales really salesy cowboy kind of person, man or woman, uh, shooting from the hip, being 
maybe extremely relationship oriented, being very good at that, but not having uh, some of the other, maybe the cognitive skills needed, uh, for instance, mm -hmm. or individuals coming from larger companies, even though we continuously during our um, assessments of an individual in the interview process, we we do talk a lot about how quickly things change at Scribe, how agile you need to be, how mm -hmm. turbulent it can be for an individual. Uh, but the thing is that you don't really understand that as an individual uh, until uh, you're uh, uh, you're in the, the, that context. Yep. So it doesn't matter if you think that well, I, I've experienced this. It's been turbulent for me. I've seen similar challenges, etc. It's not it's not possible for an individual who's never experienced anything like it to put him or herself into that context. Mm -hmm. We see that happening a lot. Super brilliant, highly intelligent really really good human beings entering scribe and just after a few months thinking that wow this like they get empathic because it, it moves so fast it's so turbulent yeah. uh, it's simply it's not a, a good match yeah uh, now we've learned more to try to like really really uh, really uh, dig deeper into figuring out is this individual who we deal with the with the uh, quick changes and turbulence that we still work within Mm -hmm. Even though obviously Scribe 2020 and Scribe 2010 is a huge difference. We today yeah. we do have structures in place, we have processes, we have to some extent defined ways of working. But still, if you're coming from a big enterprise corporate company, uh, you and you've never done anything with within startup or scale up, uh, you need to. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, yeah, we call that the. I think a ninety percent of for ninety nine percent of all our customers ask for this. Can you measure the startup mentality? I think mm -hmm. it's a combination of certain personality traits and skills that that determine indeed can you handle the stress, the the yeah. the, the quickly changing environment. So uh, uh, yeah, I think important for every role and maybe uh, even more in in sales since it's uh, already quite a you should be stress resistant to be uh, in order to be successful in a sales position. I think. Do you? Also experience because what what um, what we friends experience in our company and our company is of course uh, uh, not comparable to uh, to Scribe maybe 2016 but I think that we are still uh, a bit smaller than that is that we when we started building our sales team uh, mm -hmm. we had the typical mindset like okay we are a B2B SaaS company we are uh, below 10 people so what we need is someone that has worked in a startup before in B2B SaaS just knows the sales trick, basically. So really uh, the traditional sales guy. Mm -hmm. um, and then we, we got our recipe for success. And what we actually found out along the way is that uh, that experience with B2B SaaS sales, for instance, is actually super irrelevant. You just need to have the, the mindset to deal with the kind of company that we are. And more important, you should, you should basically fall in love with our company concepts from the moment that you have a chat with us. So for instance, if you've been a recruiter yourself or if you've been building a team yourself, do you think that that's uh, a mistake that many startups and skills are making that they are, that they might be searching for the, for the wrong profile and think like if you have done sales in another SaaS environment, for instance, uh, you're guaranteed a success within the company. I mean, I, yeah, I, at, at least that's what I'm hearing and what, I, what you see in lots of ads from with different companies. I mean, we, we've done the same mistake ourselves as well. It's, it's, um, 
it's definitely a, a case for us now when we're when we're hiring enterprise representatives, so people that will deal with the, with the very larger, largest purchasing processes. Mm -hmm. uh, we are, we are organizing ourselves uh, not based on how we want to sell, but rather on how customers want to buy. So obviously, for us, you have so the SMB, the typical SMB uh, client buys in, in in one way, the mid tier to large tier client maybe buys a different way, and then you have the enterprises where. The, the purchasing process is significantly different. And, and when we look at hiring enterprise sales representatives or customer success representatives for that matter, then I do they need to have a, a sauce background. Uh, um, did, I, did I break up there? Yeah, do you hear me? Yeah, you broke up for a few seconds. So I hear it until uh, you have some sales experience and then you stop. Yeah, you need, so there you need to have the sales experience, but it's not the necessity for me that you have, it, it, it's not going to hurt us if you have a few years of, of solution sales, uh, business to business, complex selling, etc. But it's going to be way more rewarding, I think, if you, if we're able to find candidates who also come from maybe who's been do, being on the other side, being on, being on the purchasing side of things. Yeah. Or having done uh, like people profiling recruitment center. So I, I agree with you that um, the, it's the, the variety of traits here that is, is the most, most important. And I think, I mean, since we've, we've now chosen to, to work with you guys to do parts of, of, of the cognitive uh, testing uh, as well, I, I, th I think it will, be, it will be super interesting after summer here when we get going and start testing out the whole existing team at Scribe. I'm mm -hmm. quite confident that we will find that they are significantly above average in like I don't I don't know you have a better expression here, but probably for me the logical spatial thinking. So the more typical cognitive traits, IQ related, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So cause and effect, consequence analysis, yeah. uh, dealing with complexity in 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 a changing environment, etc. Yeah. I'm quite confident that we will see that that uh, basically everyone described besides maybe myself, because I generally believe that I'm the most stupid person at Scribe in whatever room I enter. Uh, I, you are more intelligent than I am. Uh, you're laughing. Everyone laughs when I say that, but I, I Yeah, I, I think it's not really fair to say that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, it's, I don't mind, because uh, I can instead contribute with, with other things, because what I think where I am strong is I am I'm good at understanding what, what, I, what others understand and don't not understand. So, so um, uh, I can bring humbleness, humbleness and, and customer centricity into a, a world of highly intelligent uh, breeds of, of, of people. And, and that combination is uh, something really strong. But, but they are, we have a lot of intelligent people, but if you have that, you, this is a very maybe generic comment or generalistic approach to things, but if you have super intelligent people, which I think we do, then most often, at least according to my experience, you need to instead train them to, to also be able to see the other perspective on, on things or be able to put themselves in the customer's uh, shoes, etc. Because typically, you, maybe you don't have that. I mean, we had really intelligent individuals working at Sky when I joined soon five years ago, but they completely lacked the ability of understanding what others understand and what they don't understand. And this is why we've spent more time like reading philosophy or, or, or psychology and talking Kirchegaard poems instead of like reading the traditional sales literature. 
uh, we have the intelligence, we have the cognitive abilities. Uh, what we've had to work with is uh, the more EQ-related uh, side of things, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. And finding finding that person from the start, so recruiting people that are super intelligent, but also extremely customer-oriented, high EQ, etc. These people are, yeah, you're more or less looking for unicorns. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I uh, I agree, but I think I think they 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 should be out there somewhere at least. Absolutely, I mean we have what's been a success factor for me uh, or for for us uh, is is so I've had five years now to assess what I believe. This is uh, there's no statistical significance here. Uh, I, I have this theory, whatever you want to call it, has been vetted by my colleagues, but it's. It's really just my empirical own little uh, research. So I identified five areas of competence that I see are more present with the people who over time in sales, in support, in customer success, in all the commercial roles uh, have been delivered, delivering continuously all better than everyone else at Scribe these mm -hmm. five years that I've been around. So I identified five areas of competence that I think are, are more dominant and present with these people. Once again, uh, there's no, uh, it's just my own analysis. And I, these five traits are number one. They are, they have, for them, it's been easier to actually become solution experts. So they've, they've really understood our platform from a mm -hmm. technical perspective, but they've also been able to understand how a platform can be made use of uh, within the customer's environments. So here you have what I then think is the most, the more cognitive traits and skills. So they, they, they have the brain to be able to adapt to technical challenges, talking about APIs, uh, mm -hmm. all of the IT-related stuff. That is not easy for most people. They have the ability to actually get the grasp and understanding of what this is, and actually, at the same time, be able to understand uh, how this will map well mm -hmm. or not uh, with the customer's environment. So that's the one thing. So, so becoming a solution expert is way, way more dominant uh, in, in it's one common denominator for all the people that's been successful at Scrap. Mm -hmm. Second perimeter is is uh, more about you need to be you need to also have the traits or the ability to become the, the modern sales, the commercial representatives, customer success, sales support, whatever it might be, but the ability to if you look at for instance sales, you need to to you don't necessarily need to have five years experience that, but we need to be able to assess is this a person who can deal with negotiations? Mm -hmm. Who can invest once again a lot in building strong relationship accounts, leading to that they're also over time able to make withdrawals, so putting demands on the customer. If I do this for you, you need to do this for me. Mm -hmm. So if we decide on a date where I'm supposed to deliver this, I need these data points from you uh, beforehand, etc., etc. So running sales process, doing negotiations, putting your foot down, etc., etc. That's those are important traits as well. And for me, mm -hmm. that, that's more of the, uh, the solution-oriented or the more traditional, mo modern slash traditional sales, uh, sales competences. So that's one thing. Uh, yeah. we, we call that for, for uh, what have I, I said? Solution expert. Um, I've had, I have such nice buzzwords for all of these five. Uh, <laughs> I can't. Even remember the business acumen is the second perimeter, is what we call it at least. So having a third perimeter. Third perimeter is that we're in contract law. We're we're doing we're a legal tech company, really. So we're digitizing agreement processes typically. 
uh, and you need to work a lot with the regulatory challenges and the compliance related issues, especially mm -hmm. for us who are strong within banking and finance, etc. You have a lot of legislative and regulatory challenges and you're going to stumble upon customers in different countries who also then perceive or interpret the same regulation in different ways. Mm -hmm. You need to simply put, be able to, um, to read a, a fairly complex legal text with like very, very blurry semantics and make sense of that mm -hmm. and, and navigate in that area. And, and, and that's tricky. That's another part, that's another uh, maybe more cognitively like it's 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 a cognitive skill, I guess, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, it's not for everyone. We have a, quite a few people who's never really managed to get excel in these areas, uh, and they never really get successful either. Yeah. They never reach the same results. So becoming a, a legal and regulatory expert is an important uh, perimeter as well. And then you have the longer you've been with us, the larger the processes you you are, are allowed to drive the more you also need to act as a project manager. So you need to become both project slash uh, sales, uh, sorry, ch a change manager uh, mm -hmm. in, in many of the processes. You need to be able to sometimes coordinate your internal team. Mm -hmm. I see you breaking up with you, Hemi. Yeah, no, uh, I was not breaking up actually, so it's fine. No, no, I see, I, on my screen, you just get pixely and all that, but good. No, so you're, you're no, so, so it's super apparent that some of our reps uh, have learned, maybe they did absolutely not have that skill when they came in. And we've sent a lot of them on, on project management courses as well. So they've done training within project management because you actually need to be able to coordinate and drive during a long t t period of a process. Maybe you're not really doing anything yourself, but making sure that your, uh, your tech people, developers, uh, customer success, uh, implementations people etc are doing their parts mm -hmm. in audit so that you're running uh, the bigger the process the more assistance you will need from our legal department as well so you yeah. will just be facilitating coordinating making sure that people do things uh, in, in timely manners at the same time you, you need to run and drive the customers project forward as well and this is a trait that most traditional sales reps they, they this is where they fall short they can't take care of themselves. So taking care of 20 other people becomes very, very uh, challenging. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, seeing that that uh, yeah, the five years I've been in, many of the people that, that came in didn't have that ability then, but they've learned how to deal with that. They've understood the importance of actually navigating and, 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 and coordinating uh, the other people, which is uh, extremely important. And the fifth perimeter is just doesn't matter how good you are on all the, the, the other four uh, areas here, you also need to always understand the customer's side. You need to be able to navigate and encounter and sit down with if it's one or 15 different stakeholders. You need to get who they are, what KPIs they have, what needs they have, what they understand, what they don't understand, and then build value propositions. Uh, and USPs and benefits based on that. So you need to become a, some, we call it the benefits uh, mm -hmm. guru, uh, because it, that's, that's a part of its own here. And the people, uh, the common denominators, like these five common denom denominators are extremely, very, very clearly present in me, I would say nowadays we have around 10 people uh, who possess these traits. Mm -hmm. 
no one is like 10 out of 10 in all five areas uh, today, but we have a few that are getting close to that. Yeah. I'm far from, from, from being a superstar in many of these areas, but, but uh, I don't have to be the superstar. No, and I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's impressive that you, uh, you found that success formula for yourself, because I think if you, uh, if you at least know what makes someone a good performer in your company and what makes someone uh, fit with your culture, uh, then the next step is, of course, how are we going to make that predictable and measurable and et cetera. But I think the, the, the most important step is understanding what's actually uh, what makes it that you are successful within a company. So I think it's, yeah. it's really cool that you at least revealed that already. So I think if I would summarize this conversation in um, two aspects for you of being successful in your team, uh, I'm now making it very, uh, very general, but yeah. uh, being 100% focused on the customer and do look at someone's potential instead of only a track record. Absolutely. Yeah, you said you basically just summarized everything I said in two minutes. <laughs> Are you interested in coming and joining Square? Um, well, yeah, I have a company here to run as well, and uh, <laughs> we also have a sales team to build. <laughs> so I think I'm first going to see how we are going to uh, use your tips to make us our sales team really a sales engine. Yeah. And if you offer me a job after that, we can always discuss that, of course. Nobody right. I mean, it, it's. Uh, it's, it's apparent, it's it's absolutely, we're a product company, obviously, of course we are, but it, it really isn't about the next big feature or whatever. It's, 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 uh, it's, it, it is about the people. Uh, yeah. it's, it's extremely apparent for us. It's about customer transcentricity. Mm -hmm. It's about being able to create a, a, a culture uh, where you have continuous learning. So mm -hmm. people can constantly develop. Uh, and someone told me uh, a few years back that you need to have a situation where people grow faster than the company grows. Uh, and I think that makes good for me now. I didn't understand what it meant like two years ago, but for now it does. We need to surround ourselves with individuals that are able to grow faster than we do as a company. Uh, I think that's a really important perimeter here. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree on that. On that note, um, uh, I would love to uh, to continue this chat for hours, but unfortunately, I need to squeeze our whole conversation in uh, in thirty to forty minutes. Cool. <laughs> so I would like to uh, I would like to thank you for uh, for your insights, for your story, and uh, at least I learned a lot from it. So uh, uh, I hope that all our listeners will too. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, uh, for everyone. For everyone who's listened to the to this episode, if you have any questions for Nicholas or for me, uh, we are both on LinkedIn, so you of course know where to find us. Uh, thanks again. I really hope that for everyone that's listening, that's maybe struggling a little bit with its sales team or or uh, at least trying to make first step in building a sales team. I think your your insights are amazing. So thanks again for that. Uh, maybe I'm going to uh, to give you a call every now and then to ask you uh, for some tips in my company. I hope you will. I hope we have out. I'll help you for the Nordics and you'll help me for Netherlands and maybe Benelux. Exactly. Maybe we have a, we have a good formula then. I think so. I think so. so thanks. Uh, for everyone who's listened to uh, this episode, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, like I mentioned, if you have any questions, you know where to find us. And otherwise, I'm looking forward to, uh, to hearing your back on the next episode.